Wheeling Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 291, 2021 Holiday Flying Festival and Car Show at Sun and Fun. Hey everyone, Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm here with Bill English, and also joining us today is Tyler Kuntz. Uh, big announcement, Tyler Kuntz is our new head of communications. Bill, this is exciting here at the 2021 Flying Festival and Car Show. That's a mouthful. Uh, I'm excited because it's been a while since I've been at an air show. It's good to see you again, man. Oh yeah, it's uh, great to be back here with uh, everybody flying in on this beautiful day. Yeah. Now, so what we're doing for this air show today is, even though we're not with Sun and Fun Radio, we're doing this actually uh, for the Stuck Mike Avcast. We do want to promote Sun and Fun Radio, though. So don't forget, you can hear us all year long and also the other folks at those interviews, liveatc.net slash SNF. But don't forget to listen to us on Stuck Mike Avcast and also watch some of our videos at the YouTube channel, Stuck Mike Avcast. So, Bill, we're going to start with a few interviews out there, general aviation folks out there, also some car shows. Uh, they're going to have the car show, I think, tomorrow. Uh, they're also going to have a stole competition. So far, what do you think of the show? Uh, well, I've just been here a little bit, but uh, already it's looking great. It's looking uh, easily as good as last year. Lots of, lots of great airplanes and things to see. Awesome. Let's get out there, get some interviews. That's what's coming up next. We're going to do this for two days. And don't forget to go visit our sponsor, AviationCareersPodcast.com. That's where you can get that free scholarships guide if you want, AviationCareersPodcast.com slash free. There's over $120 million in scholarships out there for people of all ages and all backgrounds to get all types of ratings. Maybe you want to become a mechanic. Maybe you want to become a pilot. Anyway, let's get out there and have some fun, Bill. All right, let's go. This is Bill English with the Stuck Mike Avcast. We're here at the Sun and Fun Holiday Expo. Uh, we're talking with Andrew Chan from Wright Rudder Aviation. They're the U.S. dealer for the uh, the new Pipistrel Panthera. You've probably seen stories about this slick machine, um, and I suppose other Pipistrel aircraft too, right? Yes, that's correct. We sell the entire Pipistrel lineup, over 19 different models of aircraft, including the world's only certified electric airplane. That's some uh, some pretty amazing stuff they've got here. We're sitting right here behind the, uh, the Panthera. Uh, very slick... Um, very fast-looking airplane, just completed their U.S. tour a couple of months ago. Uh, tell us about the Panthera. What's, uh, what are some of the main points about it, Andrew? Really, the Panthera was designed to be the ultimate personal aircraft. So it's, it's designed to fit a family of four. Uh, useful load is 1,100 pounds, so you got room for an average family of four plus your luggage. Um, on standard tanks, you got about 800-mile range. On extended range tanks, around 1,400-mile range, so quite a useful airplane. Uh, maximum cruising speed is, is pretty good. It's 198 knots true airspeed. Uh, more, more often, though, we cruise at 185 knots, burning only 10.8 gallons an hour. Um, the aircraft is really designed primarily around safety. So with it in mind, it has a full roll cage for the entire occupant, for all, all four occupants. Uh, it's equipped with, of course, Garmin Autopilot with uh, envelope protection. It has the level button. It has the new Garmin feature, Safe Glide. And the aircraft is also equipped with a full airframe ballistic parachute. So safety is at the top of the mind. Uh, cost of ownership is low, less than $100 an hour to operate the aircraft. Uh, overall, it's, it's, it's truly an amazing airplane to fly, a lot of fun, very easy on the controls, uh, very comfortable to sit in, and really people are loving it, so they're flying off the shelves. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, you talked about, you know, for a family of four, and it's got a very roomy back seat. It uh, looks like a lot more than, uh, than things that are in that same class. I mean, if really there is anything in that class, right? Yes, the, the back seat room and the front seat room are both impressive. Um, the back seat in particular has more space than the competition, and the third door uh, makes it real easy to get in and out of the passenger compartment. So a lot of 135 operators are looking at it uh, for, you know, kind of an air taxi for kind of a two to 400 nautical mile range scenario for one person to go to a business meeting, something like that, because that third door and the room in the back seat makes it very easy to access and utilize that space. Yeah, that's great. And sounds like the efficiency uh, would make that work as well. You mentioned just 
10 gallons an hour on, on regular avgases? That's correct. It, it, primarily, we burn in the United States 100 low leaded avgas, but the aircraft was designed from the ground up from the beginning to also utilize automotive fuel if that is someone's choice. Um, so you could burn automotive fuel and save even more money. But yeah, 10.8 gallons an hour at 185 knots is is really super impressive, I think. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, for the pilots and the crowd, too, you know, we've got it is a complex airplane. It's got, uh, I think, the uh, 0540 engine in it, right? I, uh, like homing IO540 um, and retractable gear airplane. So a little bit of a complex airplane. What's the transition training or the step up like for your average pilot? So it's definitely a high performance complex airplane that is very, very slippery. In fact, it is the most aerodynamic dynamically four-seat, uh, aerodynamic four-seat airplane available. So it gains speed quickly, which is great, And uh, but you also just have to plan ahead a little bit more. So we put together uh, with, with uh, a couple of different companies, including insurance companies, a very uh, thorough uh, transition course. It's a two-week course, 28 flight hours in total, and 40 hours of ground training. And the intent behind this is when a customer buys a Panthera, they become part of the Pipistrel family and part of the Wright Rudder Aviation family. And we want to make sure they make it home safely to their biological family after every mission. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, getting that training right in, uh, right off the get-go sounds like a great plan. So uh, how many of these now are flying in the United States? Have they got the... They got going here yet? So in the U.S. right now, there's four. Uh, the customers who have them are exceptionally pleased with them. Um, most of the customers who bought them did come from other comp- competitor- competitors' aircraft, and they're very, very pleased with the performance of the Panthera. Um, and we're delivering about one every 45 days at the moment. Um, we're expecting certification to occur in 2023, so we're about a year and a half out from that. And we have quite a number of certified orders, so we encourage people, if they are interested in the aircraft, to go ahead and place a deposit so that your wait time won't be too long. Um, it's a wonderful aircraft, and the deposits continue to roll in, but a lot of people are uh, upset a little bit with the delivery timeline because there's more than uh, more than 180 or so certified orders already placed. So there's a little bit of a wait time if you place an order today, but... It, better than if you waited another couple months or another couple years. Well, that seems to be the story lately with uh, deliveries on everything, right? Yes, yes. And it's, it's uh, you know, Pipistrel has an excellent manufacturing facility. Uh, in fact, Paul Bertarelli with Aviation Consumer has a great video on their factory where you can take a look at how amazing their production facility is in Italy. Um, and so they have the ability to ramp up. But it is it takes quite a bit to build an aircraft of this caliber for sure. Well, it sounds great. Stop by and see this uh, Pipistrel Panthera, and they've also got one of their uh, light sports over here as well to see. Um, we are uh, just just over to the left of the flight line at the Sun and Fun uh, Holiday Expo talking with Andrew Chan from Pipistrel Aviation about the Panthera. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having us. This is Bill English with the Stuck Mike Avcast at the Sun and Fun Holiday Festival, and we're here at the Sarasota Avionics booth right out here by the flight line talking to Kirk Fryer from Sarasota Avionics. Kirk, tell us a little bit about Sarasota Avionics and what you're all about. Sure. Well, uh, we're, we, uh, Sarasota Avionics is one of the largest Garmin dealers in the world, uh, largest Avidyne, Aztec, uh, Aspen, pretty much in the world. So we do a, a lot of avionics. We have five locations here in Florida. We have in our Venice is our headquarters. We have our Sarasota location, our Venice, or I'm sorry, our Tampa location, Punta Gorda, uh, and Fort Lauderdale Lantana location. So we do pretty much anything at those locations, maintenance, uh, avionics, of course. Uh, we actually do interior at a couple of our locations. So anything you pretty much need for the aircraft, we can take care of at any of our locations. Yeah, and it sounds like that's uh, pretty popular lately, right? A lot of people refurbishing old aircraft with the value of the market right now. Uh, what do you see in there? What kind of avenues people take and what's popular? Oh, well, right now the, the, the explosion is autopilots. You know, the S-Tech came out with the new S-Tech 3100 with the Aspen Max upgrade. And, of course, Garmin is releasing all the new, uh, every, every seems like every week they're putting a new aircraft out for the STC for the uh, Garmin GFC 600 and GFC 500 autopilots. So a lot new, uh, over 600 aircraft that they're, come, they're planning on doing for the Garmin autopilots. So. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. A lot of great, exciting features in those autopilots. Um, what other uh, things are people doing to refurbish the, uh, the old aircraft? Well, you know, uh, obviously the new PFDs from Garmin, the TXIs, the Aspen Max upgrades, putting the new PFDs and the multifunction displays in the panel, make it a safer, more reliable aircraft. Um, 
course, now Garmin can do the engine management on the TXI, which you can get rid of all those engine gauges and put it all on one screen. Some people like it, some people don't, but most people that we have, we're, we're booked out till April with everybody putting in the TXIs, new autopilots, so everybody, it must be a pretty good product, so people seem to like it. Yeah, I guess so. Um, d- definitely a way to a way to go. Are you guys experiencing? We've all heard about the supply chain issues now with computer chips and all. Is that uh, is that influencing you? Yeah, it seems to be really. It hit this December, November, end of December, de- uh, end of November, first uh, of December. Here, Garmin uh, kind of called us and said, "Hey guys, we got a supply chain issue with our the, anything that has a common nav board from Garmin. Um, they're having some trouble getting this microprocessor chips uh, right now." Uh, GTN 750-650s are back-ordered to, oh, May, June. Uh, STEC 3100 Autopilots are 20-week back order right now. They have a bicycle processor. Avidyne just released that they're having some issues, too, with uh, their units. Um, Aspen seems to be okay um, right now, but any day, you don't know what's going to happen. So Avidyne released, they're having issues. We'll see Bendix King will be the next with the Aeronav product. So we'll see. We're just hoping, hoping we're hoping uh, Garmin will give us a good, nice Christmas present and say, "Hey, we got the microprocessors in. We're shipping them again." So we'll hope we're hoping for that. So, so I guess uh, the story there is for people to you know plan ahead uh, with their aircraft. What uh, what can folks do to get ready for that? So say I've uh, you know I've got an aircraft, you know maybe a 1980s, 90s vintage or so, and I'm looking to upgrade. What can I do to prepare for well, for my upgrades? Yeah. So right now you need to get your order in. I mean, unfortunately, that's, you know, the prices are going to go up at the end of the year. Uh, every year, Garmin raises the prices, or all, all the manufacturers raise the price for a, a couple percent. Go ahead and put your deposit down. We only require a 20% deposit, and that saves your price. Saves your, you might not get it for six months, but go ahead and get it on order because we don't know when these are going to come in and how long it's going to take to fulfill these orders. So go ahead and get your order in before the price goes up. Get your spot, get your your product so we put you in line that's that's the best best knowledge i can give right now yeah can you help owners who are looking to plan out just how to do it with getting the right stcs for their kind of aircraft that sort of thing we have uh four salesmen on staff all the time they're very knowledgeable all of them are pilots we require all our sales guys to be pilots so they're very knowledgeable they can tell you exactly what you need what you need for your aircraft via the stc approved model list you know, autopilot can get very tricky, especially how to interface it and what can the autopilot actually interface to. All of our salesmen are very knowledgeable in that and can really help the customer out and plan for what he needs, what he needs to purchase in the future. So. Well, super. That sounds good, Kirk. Any uh, any closing uh, thoughts you might have for uh, folks looking to, uh, you know, shine up that old panel? Uh, do it one time. Do it right. Don't, don't Mickey Mouse around it, you know, and pick here and pick here. Just let us do it. Let us do our custom job. That's what we're we are good at. Let us customize your panel the way you want it, so you can fly it for the for ten years from now, and not have to worry about it. That's what I, you need to do. Let's just either do it right the first time. Sounds great. Now we're talking with Kirk Fryer from uh, Sarasota Avionics at the Summit Fun Holiday uh, Expo. This is Bill English with Stuck Mike Avcast. Well, folks, this is Carl Valeri here at the 2021 Holiday Flying Festival and Car Show at the Sun and Fun campus. I'm here with somebody that I really admire for what he does with aviation and aviation photography, and that's Chris Miller. It's so awesome to see you again at the show. Uh, And normally, you're sitting there taking pictures of me, and what was really cool, and this is what's neat about aviation, I actually didn't really know all the different things you did. I thought you were just a photographer, but you're so varied here. We're standing in front of this really cool airplane right now and uh, out here on the flight line. It's a tail dragger. It's a big tail dragger. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, the airplane that you have have here and what we're standing in front of so the people that are listening can uh, understand and also get a feel for for this really grassroots flying first hi carl (laughs) nice to see you here it's not sun and fun unless i see you holding a microphone in front of someone's face Uh, this is a 1981 cessna skywagon Uh, it's a Cessna 180 they also made 185 Skywagons most people confuse this airplane with a 185 because it's got a distinctive big fat uh, leading extension on the dorsal tail Uh, this airplane like I said 1981 it spent most of its life flying for the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources uh, as a law enforcement platform did some really cool things Uh, flew for that outfit for 20 years and then a private owner picked up the caretaking of it, 
before he passed it on to me about a year and a half ago. And, you know, I, I tell you, it's in pristine shape, and I love the shine on it and the sheen. Hopefully we'll be able to get some, some uh, pictures of it or see some pictures online. Uh, and obviously, uh, one of the things they must have done with this is some photography out of it. I'm assuming you do a few, take a few pictures I out of it. You take a few pictures. <laughs> the, rule, the reason I bought this airplane is because I've got a letter from the FAA that says I can fly with a door removed. Uh, for photography or any other purposes. Um, the, the windows open fully up, you can shoot fore and aft from it. Um, my problem is I'm a pilot and a photographer, so I gotta find someone else to fly my airplane if I wanna shoot out of it. Well, gosh, I'm gonna take you up on that if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So one of the things that I, I see in this aircraft, and, and you mentioned the year, it's, it's a little bit older, but if you look at the panel, wow, looks pretty sharp. Tell us a little bit about what you have in the aircraft. Well, the, uh, the previous owner spent every free penny he had upgrading this panel. So it's not your standard metal with a plastic cover on it Cessna panel. Uh, it's, it's a no kidding powder coated aluminum panel with lots of round holes drilled in it. Uh, he put a pair of Garmin 430Ws in it. He put an autopilot in it. It's got a, a Stratus ADS-B in and out transponder on there uh, and an interphone that works just great. Um, the left side of the panel is all analog, electric, vacuum-driven vacuum uh, steam gauges, uh, except that he had a really nice, expensive uh, Century HSI in it that failed about six months after I bought it. So I could get that thing overhauled, which I tried. Couldn't do it. Next thing you know, I'm looking at Garmin. So the centerpiece of my panel is two Garmin GI-275s that uh, could replace the entire left side of the panel, but I've only just put them in there and left the other stuff connected. It's a fabulous cross-country airplane. It's a fabulous uh, IFR airplane. And the secret is it's a fabulous backcountry airplane as well. Let's talk a little bit about the backcountry side of that. This is uh, a tail dragger. Mm -hmm. And uh, this has a lot of room in it, and I can see you have it have it packed with all sorts of stuff: camping equipment, a cooler, uh, this camera equipment, etc. This looks like a lot of fun for those folks that are looking to get into something like this. What would you suggest uh, as far as tailwheel training? Is this comparable to say a Cub? What is the difficult level difficulty level on this? That is a fabulous question. I thought I could go get a tailwheel rating and go jump in one of these airplanes. Unfortunately, the history of this airplane type shows lots of people who thought that and then broke their beautiful new airplane. Uh, it's a tail heavy airplane and there's lots of records of them being ground looped. So I found a Skywagon instructor and before I even thought about looking for specific airplanes in Trader Plane and other places, uh, I went and flew with him in his airplane. Uh, we spent about two days in the Dominican Republic getting to know his airplane. Uh, he said, we're going to make friends with this airplane first, and then you're going to learn how to fly it, land it, crosswind, uh, cool. wheel landings, three points, and you're going to tell me whether you can handle an airplane like this, and then I will bless you to go, to go buy one. Um, I'm really, really glad I did that. Uh, he scared the crap out of me on the first day, uh, and I'm, I'm glad he did. And now I have healthy respect for this thing. Uh, I can fly it in some pretty daunting crosswind situations, but I've never let my guard down. Absolutely, we should do that with any airplane, right? Even if we feel confident in it, right? Yeah, as pilots, we all do that. We've got our personal minimums. This airplane just makes keeps me honest every minute. You know, I can tell why they call it the Skywagon. I mean, I don't know the, the total history behind that, but I'm looking back in here, and, and I'm, I'm seeing what you've done, and it's, it's really amazing how much room. I'm just kind of shocked at it. You could, put a whole, you could put a whole person back there. You could put a dead moose back there. That's, that's what these things were designed for. Yeah. People in Alaska, so I'm told, uh, would use these things to haul stuff as big as a, a big old Caterpillar diesel uh, engine block for a, for a generator to some backcountry location or haul a moose carcass out of a backcountry location, and they just fly. So for someone who's looking to get into that, you know, we're seeing it all over, you know, YouTube, et cetera, backcountry flying. Would you suggest this aircraft? Absolutely. It's a... Uh, Look at the numbers. Uh, there are, I don't think there's any other airplane or very few airplanes that can ha have the range, the short field performance, uh, endurance, and load carrying capability of this airframe with a tailwheel. 182 is pretty darn close, but I've flown a 182 from Virginia to Lakeland before, and I had to stop for gas. Yesterday, I didn't stop for gas. I landed with about 14 gallons left, but I made it here with my personal minimums and landed the airplane. 
Speaking of personal minimums, let's talk a little bit about flying in to the show here today. Uh, for those that are looking to fly in, what type of advice would you have to somebody who's new to this here? Maybe places to look, that type of thing. Flying in here yesterday was just like flying into any towered airport any, any day. Uh, it was busy. There were multiple people in the pattern. I was, uh, the, the tower controller walked my eyes onto the other pilots in the pattern and said, you're number three behind that one. And I, I, I landed the airplane. Uh, it gets busier here. Sun and Fun, uh, the, the big event in, in March or April has a procedure for you to follow. But if you study that procedure and you follow that procedure, you have your eyes outside the airplane and maybe even have another pilot or two in the airplane helping you. It, it's a challenge, but it's a it's a worthwhile, rewarding, and safe challenge. So I'm assuming you've flown in here a few times to Sun of Fun. This is, I think, the fourth time I've personally landed an airplane here. Yes. Yeah. It always. I love watching it. I mean, it's so exciting to see everybody landing at the same time and landing on the different dots, that type of thing. Uh, but I think there's a lot of folks that listen to this say, "I'll never fly into Sun and Fun." Uh, <laughs> I I say do it. It's it's a challenge, but go with someone like you that has some experience, right? If you've been at a busy flight school and you've seen a towered airport with, uh, with student pilots in both right and left hand patterns, that's kind of what this place is like during a busy arrival day. Absolutely. So Chris, let's talk a little bit about your other hobby. And, and that's, that's taking pictures. And I, I tell you what, I, I just, uh, I, I'm in awe at the different equipment that you have, a hobbyist, and you take some awesome pictures. First of all, where can, and I know where you can find them, but, but tell the audience where we can find you on the internet and who you take pictures for. I primarily shoot for EAA Photo, Experimental Aircraft Association, based in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Everybody knows where that is. Here goes Prime Air. Taking a few pictures of that, I'm sure. Uh, once or twice, it's a pretty <laughs> shiny blue airplane. Uh, the fly-in at Oshkosh is, is what brought me into uh, this type of aviation photography. Uh, I called uh, the, the chief of EAA Photo at that time, Jim Kepnick, one day. I said, I love coming to Oshkosh. I just want to contribute. I can't just walk around and look at everything. I think I want to give back. How do I give back? And he said, well, you know how to take pictures. I said, yes, I do. Do you have digital cameras? Yes, I do. Well, come on up. Uh, you can shoot for us and we'll, we'll let you know at the end of the week how things went. And I think day two or three, Jim walked by when I was reviewing some of my pictures on a computer and he tapped my shoulder and said, I think you're one of us now. <laughs> anyway, that was 20, 20 years ago, uh, 20 plus years ago. Uh, I look forward to going to Oshkosh every year. I uh, don't know what we're going to do when we get there. There's just so much aviation passion to try to capture and document. Uh, some years I'm on the ground tracking down assignments. Occasionally I get to go fly in air to air and I just love that. Uh, other times uh, throughout the year I get a phone call, hey would you go shoot this for us? Uh, if you want, to answer your other question, if you want to go see EAA Photos vast catalogs of work, go to airventure.org, click on gallery and it'll take you to Flickr pages and you can look at pictures for the last, geez, I think 20 years to your heart's content. Awesome. And some great pictures, by the way. And I love looking at them. And hats off to you for volunteering. And there's so many things that you can do, not just taking pictures. I mean, there's so many things out there. So if you want to get involved with EAA, EAA.org, airventure.org. And there are so many jobs out here from parking airplanes to going out taking pictures, security. There's places you can go to clean up. I mean, the, the folks here especially, uh, the, the people that actually carry the trash out get the best campsites out here on, on the field, as they should, because they keep this place spotless. Hats off to you. Thanks so much for volunteering at EA. Anything else you want to tell us about the airplane or else where they can find you online? Well, you just said volunteers. Um, part of what makes this community so great is that everybody feels like it's their own. I mean, you're at grandma's house or your friends, whatever. Um, you see a piece of trash on the ground, you pick it up. You walk by a trash can that's blown over, you stand it back up. This morning I saw a trash can, blue barrel sitting out here, and I had some trash and I walked up to it. I was like, maybe I shouldn't throw it in here because there's no bag liner. I looked inside, whoo, jackpot, bag liner. So I pulled the liner back out, stretched it over the top, and it's ready for somebody else. Thousands of people do that exact thing every day while they're out here, and that's why this place looks as pristine as it does. 
Absolutely. Great way to end that interview. So I really appreciate everything you do and also all the other volunteers out here. You know, Chris, one of the things that I have to confess about is the fact that I had no idea you were into aviation. I knew you were into photography, but all this time I had no idea you flew airplanes. This is what's the cool thing about these shows is you find out so many things about people and you get this great connection. And this is where you make those connections. No matter who you are, what you do, we have this common interest of aviation. Thanks again. Thank you, Carl. Again, this is Carl Valera reporting right here at the 2021 Flying Festival and Car Show. Don't forget, there's a really cool car show that goes on out here. Thank you to the Campisi family for uh, actually donating and uh, to this show for the folks that are out there in the Corvettes. And it's going to be one heck of a show tomorrow. Also, the BMX, and we're going to see the Stoll competition. Well, folks, it's Carl Valera with the Stuck Mike Avcast here at the 2021 Holiday Flying and... We have a car show, too, at this festival. It's a, it's a wonderful day. It's cooling off right now. And I'm standing next to this an amazing 195. Beautiful plane. Uh, it shines. And we're watching the sunset over it. And what's better than hanging out next to your tent, next to your airplane, and relaxing? And the owner of that aircraft is sitting here. He's going to tell us a little bit about that. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Well, hi. Thanks. It's, uh, it's great to meet you. And thanks for uh, stopping by to, to talk and take a look at the, at the airplane. You know, everybody that has like a 195 always wants to talk about it and the history of it. So we're going to talk a little bit about the history. Some people don't know what a 195 is. So if you haven't seen a 195 before, it is a tail dragger, but it's a little bit bigger than a Cub, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And, and they, uh, Cessna started building them in 1947. They called them the business liner. And it was their uh, um, marketing effort to, uh, to bring executives into air transportation. And how successful was it in doing that? Well, not very, unfortunately. They, they only built about 1,200 of them between 1947 and 1954. And uh, I think part of the reason for that was in 1947, Beechcraft introduced the Bonanza. So as I tell the story, if I'm the CEO and I send you out to buy me an airplane and you go to the local airport and, and Beechcraft pulls out a Bonanza and Cessna pulls out a 195, I think it doesn't take uh, a whole lot of brains to figure out which one they're going to buy. You know, that sexy V-tail, low-wing all-metal airplane or this old round engine tail dragger. Honestly, though, if it was me, I would, I would choose this. Well, yeah, and you'd probably go back to work and your boss would have fired you, too. So, <laughs> so anyway, so as, I, so as I said, so there were a little under 1,200 of these. Uh, you hear different things. There, there's uh, reportedly somewhere around 400 of them that are still registered. Um, out of those, I doubt that there's more than, than 200 to 250 that are actually flying. One of the cool things about any of these type of aircraft is it's a small community and everybody knows each other. We are just talking about that offline. What's it like to be an owner of this? I'm sure people walk up to you and say, hey, that's an amazing airplane. But there's also a community. Well, there is. And, and two parts to that question. Uh, when, when I first started with the 195, I was reminded that I'm not just a flyer anymore. I'm a, I'm a historical caretaker. So it's, it's kind of a little different aspect than, than just flying an airplane around. And uh, one of the things that I enjoy the most is, is going out and, and having the chance to talk to particularly young people. And, and say this was what air, uh, airplanes were like back in the, in the beginning days of, of, of aviation. So, uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity. There are great conversation starters. And like you said, as with most type clubs, there's a great uh, group of people that, that own them and get together. So if somebody is looking at this, of course, we've seen Piper Cubs and, and there's challenges and people learning how to fly tailwheel. What's it like to fly this? Well, if you, if you look at it, it got a bad reputation in the early days for, for being difficult to handle on the ground. I would say the majority of the airplanes that are still flying have probably been ground looped at one time or another. And part of that is, is just kind of the overall design of them. It's, uh, they're heavy, about 3,300 pounds. The, uh, the vertical tail is the same uh, vertical tail that's on a Cessna 170, so an airplane that's significantly lighter. Um, and so if you let it get sideways, it'll definitely uh, get away from you. And the, the one time when you get too, too confident is when it'll, it'll, it'll bite you. So the whole point is, is every landing is an adventure. You obviously love the airplane. What, what got you started in this aircraft? What, what attracted you to it? Well, just going back, I started flying when I was 15, so I've been flying for more than 50 years now. And uh, I was in the military, and I flew for the government. I've been a, an experimental builder for a long time. But then I decided I, uh, 
actually uh, a little place called Triple Tree. I met a group of people who uh, who had flown in in cabin walkers, mm-hmm. and I started looking at those. And I was actually that was the the plan was to buy one of them. But then when I started thinking about what I wanted to do with an airplane, I knew that it was going to fly. So I wanted something that would be a little bit more durable. And the 195 being all metal, um, fairly fast, got a lot of room in it, uh, makes, a, makes a great vehicle to travel and, and just do all kinds of fun things. I, for example, I use it to, uh, on, uh, with a program called um, Angel Flight, mm-hmm. where we provide medical uh, transportation for people. And people love it when I pull up in this airplane and they say, my goodness, I've never seen anything. I mean, some of these people arrive in jets and all kinds of stuff, but but they seem to enjoy getting to fly in this one. You know, it's really cool being part of history, but uh, actually you're making history, uh, especially let's talk a little bit about Triple Tree and Rob Williams and what they're doing out there. What a great group of folks out there. They have a flying every year and the young folks get to come out and fly in all sorts of different aircraft just like this. Yeah, yeah they've, uh, we've been going to Triple Tree since, uh, since they started it. And uh, my opinion, it's one of the finest places to go fly that there is to go. Uh, I, I frankly enjoy going to a little smaller place, very much like what they're doing here with the holiday fly-in here at uh, Lakeland. But yeah, they're great people. They, they do a tremendous amount for the community. They do a lot for education. They've, uh, they've, they've built a whole new hangar where kids come in and they build model airplanes and they've got uh, flight simulators. And, and it's just an outstanding program that they've got uh, that supports the local community. For those that are out there looking to get, or they're between airplanes and they want to become a steward of a piece of history in aviation, what advice would you give to them when they're looking towards something like this? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is if you, if you see something that you think you might like, that's to find an expert, somebody, a mechanic that really knows the airplane to look at it. Because even these, there are there are some some corrosion issues. There are some things that you need to be watchful of. You know, unfortunately, too many times people see one, it looks nice, it's got nice paint, maybe even a nice instrument panel, but then when you get into the guts of it, you find out there's lots of corrosion, and then you end up with, a you know, something that's, that may be nothing more than junk. So, yeah, just like anything, identify the mission, what you want to do with it, and then find somebody, once you find an airplane, that can do a really good pre-buy. Yeah, you talk about it as being a start of a business aircraft. Uh, what's it like cross country? Oh, it's a great airplane. This one has several mods to it. It's uh, this was the first of the series that uh, received an STC, and the engine is fuel injected. And so, for example, coming down here from Chattanooga, we were at nine thousand feet. Um, and I was able to lean the mixture out to just a smidge over twelve gallons an hour, and we were cruising at one hundred and fifty miles an hour. So uh, it holds uh, uh, seventy-one gallons usable. Um, so it flies longer than I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, for a traveling airplane, we, we had our annual convention was out in uh, Sedona, Arizona this year in September. Uh, we meet regularly. We met in Bismarck, North Dakota the year before that. We're going to be up outside of, uh, uh, Cleveland, Ohio next year. So these airplanes are all over the place and, and people fly them regularly. Like I said, uh, this airplane flies at least weekly. So if you're somebody that is going to buy one, you're going to have to become your own mechanic. Well, it certainly helps. I mean, you you need to you need to know enough about it that you can you can fix some of the some of the things. Um, you know, I guess one one perfect example is the the tail the, the tail wheel. Mm-hmm. It's very sensitive to the extension of the tail wheel because of the way that the the tail wheel steering actuates. If it gets too low, the tail wheel gets low, then uh, the steering doesn't work as well. So you know, little things like that, just keeping up with it. And and when you see a problem, there's plenty of people around you can get help from. We have a great um, forum site. Uh, you can ask questions, and somebody somebody's got all the all the good answers for how to how to maintain these airplanes. It's a fascinating plane, but it's also a really pretty looking airplane, and uh, you, you take great care of it. Uh, you must spend a few hours uh, waxing and washing. Well, I think the key there is just doing it regularly. You know, if you've been out and, and you get bugs on it, then you need to get them wiped off before it gets too before they get too sticky. But uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. I looked for years because uh, I didn't want another project. I'd been an experimental builder for years, and uh, so I was lucky to find this one. Uh, it had been owned at one point uh, by the same gentleman for 30 years. Then he sold it to a gentleman who had it painted and only owned it for a couple years, and then I lucked into it. So, uh, you know, except for a few mods and upgrades that I've done to it, uh, this is the way it was when I bought it. So what's something unique about this that most people wouldn't know about the aircraft, if you can think of something, that maybe a piece of history or something about the aircraft that, that is unique? And I, I like to ask people this question because of the fact that, you know, there's, there's something that, that is usually 
very unique about your aircraft. Uh, it might be how you get into the aircraft. How the <laughs> Well, I think as far as these airplanes and the design of them, one thing that is that is unique about them, and it's kind of stylish, is when you look at the spinner at the cowling, everybody looks at those little blisters and they think that was just cosmetic. Well, when Cessna designed this, it was designed for performance in flight. And so that engine is so tightly cowled to reduce cooling drag that the, uh, the rocker box covers for the cylinders actually fit up into those blisters. Um, now, the downside to that is it doesn't like sitting on the ground. It gets hot very, very quickly when it's, when it's sitting. In flight, it works great. So, you know, that's probably one of the most distinctive features of the airplane. When people look at it, they say, oh, my goodness, that, that, it's got that very Art Deco look. Yes, it does. I mean, it will look good just sitting there, but <laughs> we love to see it fly. Appreciate you bringing it out here today. How's the flying been for you so far? Oh, it's been great. We had a great flight down, uh, about three and a half hours coming down from, from Chattanooga. Um, the arrival, of course, not nearly as busy as it is for Sun and Fun, just, just coming and land. Didn't have, to, didn't have to jump through all those hoops. So, uh, so great flight down. We'll be heading out uh, probably Sunday around noontime and uh, looking forward to Sun and Fun uh, in April. And, and hopefully they'll keep doing this. This holiday flying is a, is a, is a great opportunity to, to get out just before the holidays and, and see old friends and make new ones. It's a hoot. And if you could tell us where maybe we can find you on the Internet or tell us a little bit about the organization. Well, it's um, uh, Cessna.org is the is our website. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go there. It is a you, I'm, anybody can can look at it uh, as far as being able to post. You've got to be a member. There's no charge to do that. So um, but that's where uh, as far as looking at the airplanes, that's if, for anybody that's, that's interested in them. That's the that's probably the best source of information to go in there and ask questions, see pictures, talk to people and, and get some good input uh, before you you uh, bite the bullet and, and jump into one. Awesome. I appreciate it. And the name again, Rick. I'm Rick Gilbride. Live uh, just outside of Chattanooga. Yep. So next time you're in Chattanooga, may we look you up? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, the, the airplane is, uh, is hangered in uh, La, Lafayette. Now, don't get that confused with Lafayette. This is Lafayette, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be odd, going to Lafayette and La, Lafayette. Well, so, thanks so much for speaking with us. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming by, and I hope to see you again. Have a great yeah. stay here. Yeah, we'll definitely look for you at the, in the next Sun and Fun Air Show. Again, this is Carl Valeri reporting here at the 2021 Holiday Flying and Car Show. Don't forget, we're having a big car show, and we're about to have the moon glow. Sun's going down. I'm real excited about that. Hey, this is Bill English with the Stuck Mike Avcast at the Sun and Fun Holiday Festival and Fly-In. And we're here at the uh, Say Weather booth with George Demedian of Say Weather. And they've got a pretty clever product here. They, they call it the AWOS Alternative, a weather station for an airport that doesn't have anything anything else. George, can brief us on what the Say Weather does? Sure. So Say Weather is for an airport that doesn't have its own weather information. And typically when a pilot flies into an airport like that, whether it be a small municipal airport or a flying community or somebody has a grass strip in their backyard, they get on their radio and they dial up the AWOS from the airport 20 miles away and get that information and they use that to land. And sometimes it's the same information, sometimes it's not. And what we do is um, we, we send an airport out, the Davis Weather Station. It's solar powered, has a battery backup good for about two or three years, and then it's wireless back to the console, which would be in somebody's FBO or somebody's hangar or somebody's uh, living room. We take all the information from the console, we run it through our Say Weather box we've developed. We do some calculations in there and a couple other things, and we push the information back out of VHF radio. So now the pilot, when he's flying into the field that never had any information before, instead of dialing the AWOS that could be 20 miles away, just on the Unicom frequency for the airport, he holding his yoke, no distractions. He just keys his mic four times. One, two, three, four. Airport automated advisory. Winds calm. Visibility 5. Heavy rain and snow. Sky condition. View 700. Broken. 1,002. Temperature 2. 4 Celsius. 2.1. 2 Celsius. Altimeter 3. 0. 0. 0. 0. Density altitude 1,000. So we're in Florida today. That's uh, um, an artificial uh, advisory. We just came from a show in Washington. So... Um, yes, yes, folks, there's no snow at Sun and Fun. No, there is no snow here. So um, I just, uh, I was, anyway, so it's a, it's a great uh, product. Uh, we, we default to four mic keys. Um, so if you go to your lights at five or seven, it doesn't trip our system. Uh, we have a nice feature when you're on a short final, you can key your mic three times and you get a winds only advisory. Um, this The system that uh, you just heard is our Pro Plus system. Uh, 
it sells for uh, $9,995, and then it has the capability to add ceiling, present weather, and visibility. Uh, so those are add-ons to the system, but they can be added at any time down the road. And, and that's pretty much how our system works. Uh, we also send all the information to ForeFlight, um, so a pilot can uh, check it, check the weather on ForeFlight. Uh, we also, if you have um, uh, Wi-Fi capability at your airport, uh, wherever our equipment is, then we hook you up with a Weather Underground account, and your pilots can be anywhere in the world and check the weather real time right on your field before they take up. They can know whether they even need to leave their, their uh, living room before they go to the airport. That's right. So how would a pilot know this system is installed in an airport? So you can check on the AFDs. You can check on ForeFlight now. Um, we're talking with a couple of the other uh, ForeFlight-like uh, programs uh, that will be coming soon. Um, but there's really an educational process. So when we sell a system... Uh, if it's a flying community, they send out an email to all the pilots, and then they tell their friends. Um, I've actually here just at this show, I had one guy that said he's flown into three airports that had my system. And what he does every time he flies into an airport, he keys his mic four times. If he hears our system, then he, he, he knows 20 miles out what runway to set up on. He doesn't have to worry about flying over looking for a windsock or, you know, calling and talking to somebody on the ground. And uh, so he, d he does it that way. And if he doesn't hear a say weather, when he lands, he asks the people on the ground, how come you don't have a say weather? So that, that's good for us. And, and it's really a, kind of a word of mouth thing. Um, you know, I do a lot of marketing also, uh, calling on airports. I go through uh, air nav and things uh, all the time. And I hunt airports that look like they'd be a fit. And, and we've got them all over the country. I've got them in Alaska. They they're, it works in all weather conditions. Um, it's it's just a great product. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it sounds like something would be great for Alaska and, like you say, the yeah. flying communities. Well, that's great. We're, uh, we're looking at the Say Weather uh, here at Sun and Fun Holiday Festival with uh, George Demedian from Say Weather. Anything else you'd like people to know about your products? I think we're good. I think we've covered pretty much all of it. If you have any questions, you can certainly just call me at 813-240-2727. Right, sounds good. We'll put that up in the show notes. And uh, more weather available makes it safer for everybody. Thanks, George. Thank you so much. Well, folks, it's Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting here at the 2021 Holiday Flying Festival and Car Show. Boy, this has been a great show. We've got to see some really cool things out here, talk to some awesome general aviation flyers and also some really cool products. And uh, I know Bill English is out here helping me today, but we found somebody else who's a part of the podcast that actually is an exhibitor today, the one and only Eric Crump. Hey, Eric, how's it going, man? What's up, everybody? You know, Eric, it's always fun coming out here and finding out that, hey, you're at the air show and you have a booth. It always happens that way here at Sun and Fun. You're the hardest person to find at Sun and Fun. Cool thing about this show, a little more intimate, we get to drag you away and, and have an adult beverage, which is actually what we're doing right now, watching those airplanes fly overhead. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about the show that's going on right now and, and what you think of it so far, and then we'll talk a little bit about why you're here. Okay, so there's no better place to be in December than Central Florida. Um, it's beautiful. What, what are we looking at right now? Let's ask the, the smartwatch. 74 degrees. It's perfect. We're in the shade under a tree having a really great time watching airplanes fly around. Um, and, yeah, so Sun and Fun is always a, is a community-friendly uh, air show for me anyway because um, I get to share an airport with it. Um, but this one is even uh, cooler, I think, for not just the temperature but also – um, everybody's just here to hang out. Um, it's very low stress. Um, the vendors that are here are all super nice. It's a lot of different stuff that you don't normally see um, at the big fly-in in the spring. So I'm just actually having a really good time. I mean, I was, and then I ran into you and Bill, and I mean, it kind of went downhill from there. But why does he always say that, Bill? I wonder. I wonder why. It's just, it's just, it seems like we we bring the bring it down. But honestly, though. It has been a, been a blast catching up with people, seeing people that we see at other shows, but we get to actually have long conversations with them. Some we, uh, we actually find out more things than we did at other shows, and I found some really cool things out, and you'll hear those in the other interviews. And, and by the way, this one comes out uh, in December 15th of 2021. Don't forget to go back and listen to the other Holiday Flying Festival air show on liveatc.net slash SNF. We did a lot of those interviews also. Eric, the reason you're here today is actually representing Polk State College and Polk State Aerospace. Uh, for those that don't know, I know a lot of folks know about this, but uh, 
there's a program that was developed, and I'm trying to remember the year, and I can't. And it's the first bachelor's program at a state college in Florida, which I think you know is great, and also it's grown. So tell us, first of all, where you started, and also now what you offer a student. Sure. So when I moved to Central Florida in September of 2012, this program was an idea, was a concept, and it was really built to add on to the great work that was already going on at Central Florida Aerospace Academy, um, the great work that Sun and Fun was already doing in, in, uh, in classrooms in elementary and middle school to try to provide the next piece of the pathway puzzle, right? So we got a bunch of kids interested in aviation, and there was no, there's nowhere for them to use that to transition to the workforce. So that, that was sort of the impetus for the birth of the Polk State Aerospace Program. And so January of 2013, our first nine students enrolled in our first AS degree program. Um, and today we have just under 300 students in three AS programs and one baccalaureate degree. And like you said, in 2014, we became the first public entity in Florida to offer baccalaureate degree in aviation, which is incredibly important, not just because of the cost. Everybody goes for the cost. And that is definitely a benefit. I mean, as a state institution, our cost of attendance is much lower. But it was also to 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 look forward um you know anybody with the certification and the hours can get the job but we're looking at where's the second job what about the third job well do you want to fly the line your whole life as an airline pilot or maybe do you want to work in the training department one day do you want to become a base chief pilot do you want to work within the corporate structure of the airline so we wanted to provide training that was beyond just the cockpit i mean that's important we need the certification but we wanted to go beyond that and really get into the business of aviation as well and you've done a great job of that. Hats off to you. One thing that I think is important to anybody that's looking at a school, and this was difficult in the beginning, and it was a big hurdle, but where are your students now? <laughs> so, so yeah, so my first concern was in January of 2013, would anybody show up? Because we really didn't know. And I was so happy when nine people um, trusted us to, to be our guinea pigs. Um, and so as the program has grown and we've added more degree programs, it's funny because when the program was 20 people, I knew everybody. We actually went into program lunches every Friday afternoon. Like we were just one little community. And now every semester I see students walking around the building. And I don't know who they are. And I have to introduce myself and, you know, what are you? Oh, I've been flying here for two terms. Like I had no idea, you know, it's so to, to some extent, I miss that, that one-on-one connection that we had early on. But then I'm so thankful for the program and its growth because everybody who's in aviation knows this is very much a networking business it's very much a who do you know and the and the impressions that you make from you know your first flight lesson maybe that instructor you were flying with is now you know a hiring manager somewhere you know and they remember if you showed up on time and if you showed up prepared and so so having those connections and watching those uh, mentorship relationships grow has been important but we've got pilots at amazon which is cool because they actually fly into the airport where they learn to fly here in lakeland um, we've got um, uh, pilots at every major airline and every regional airline now. Um, and a lot of folks, you know, have made it into that 135 space or that fractional 91. You know, not everybody wants to be an airline pilot. And we want to make sure that people understand that while the airlines are a great career option, there are other jobs in professional aviation, too. So now that you mentioned that, you know, we're a general aviation podcast, uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. And really, a, a lot of people that have gotten involved with the program have gone on to jobs in general aviation or touch general aviation in a very significant way. Maybe you can give us an example. I can think of one we've had students go to be an assistant airport manager, and I think even an airport manager. So tell us a little bit about those type of jobs if they don't want to go to the airlines or a strict 135. So the the current manager of the Lake Wells Municipal Airport is a graduate of the Polk State Aerospace Program. Um, The interim manager for the Winter Haven Airport, while Alex Vaca was on military orders, was a graduate of the Polk State Aerospace Program. She now runs the an FBO here at, uh, at the Lakeland Airport. And, um, you know, there I, I can't validate this is still true today. Now you've put me on the spot and I'm going to have to go back and find out. But we did a story uh, through our communications office at the college uh, several months ago. Um, at that particular time, other than the city employees who manage the airport, every employee of the Winter Haven Municipal Airport <laughs> was a Polk State student or graduate. So everybody working on the FBO side and the airport management side there was either a student uh, there in an internship capacity or a graduate uh, who was there in an employment capacity. So, I mean, we are we are a, a Polk State College, but in, in, we are still very much a community serving organization. We're not called a community college anymore because we offer baccalaureate degrees, but we still do directly support the workforce needs of our community. There's four municipally owned airports in Polk County. 
um, lots of aviation businesses. Um, and I think that's the key. We have to, we have a lot of people who live in Polk County, who grew up here, who want to stay in this county, and we need to serve our local workforce. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a job outside of Polk County. I think one of the interesting things about that we've noticed anecdotally from our graduates, many of them do stay here. As you well know, Carl, um, you can you might get your check from Atlanta, Georgia, but you live in, you know, Hawaii, you know, so you, you, you do have the, the benefit of commuting to work in the airline system. Um, and so we've noticed a lot of our students, they stay here because they have family here, they have roots here, um, and they, they enjoy flying and doing their job, but this is still where they call home. Yeah, I, I absolutely understand that, and I call it home and absolutely enjoy it just because of the community that is here. And I can understand why people don't want to move away, or if they do, they a lot of times come back. Going back to general aviation, though, uh, we talked about, like, the different careers, and let's talk a little bit about different, like, certificates and also degrees that they can get to prepare them to strictly speak about general aviation. Yeah, sure. So um, on the on the AS degree side, we have the professional pilot science degree which is I've never been in an airplane to commercial pilot in two years. It's intense, but I mean, no better classroom in the world than an airplane. Um, the view is great anyway. Um, and so there's that. 8,000 feet over Florida, you can see both oceans. I mean, you can, that's better than sitting in your algebra class. I can tell you that <laughs> for sure. Um, so then we also have the aerospace administration degree. That's your business degree, but for aviation. Aviation maintenance administration, which is the supervision and management side of being an AMP. Um, and then also the baccalaureate degree we talked about before. And uh, two years ago, we started an aircraft dispatcher certification program, which is a non-credit offering, a very accelerated career path. I know you've talked about um, uh, dispatch opportunities um, on the other podcast, uh, which I have also uh, discussed as well. Um, you're an awesome career opportunity. Um, you know, for those of us that fly, we affectionately refer to our dispatcher as the non-flying pilot the one the one we count on to know um you know to be able to advise about you know fuel load and all that kind of stuff it's a very important position but one that i think a lot of people don't even know exists a uh, great a great career opportunity both in you know uh scope of work and also uh, career benefits and pay uh, for sure and being a certificate program um it's an accelerated pathway so you know as short as five weeks um, you know, but even the online hybrid course is only 12 weeks. So, um, and you're, you're walking into a $55,000 year job, you know, with a, with a very limited financial commitment. So that's non-credit, but if you did want to take that course and apply that toward a degree, um, that counts as uh, college credit in my degree program. So if you bring me your dispatcher certificate, I'll give you college credit for holding that just like I would if you brought me a pilot certificate as well. So why would someone want to get a bachelor's and associates after they get, say, their dispatcher certificate? Well, I think it's about career mobility, right? So um, we talked about before. I mean, if you have the if you have the hours and you have the ratings, you can be a pilot, right? Um, is that what you want to do forever? Is that where you want to be? And if it, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you you know have some career mobility goals and you want to go you know and work in different levels of the organization. Um, you know, having the degree is going to be a, a critical component of that. You know, if you had told 18-year-old Eric he was going to run a college program, he would have probably laughed and said really mean things to you because at the time I thought education was a joke. What I learned was, um, you know, it's, it's power. You know, I didn't know that then, but uh, education both taught me to be a competent pilot. It taught me how to run a business. It taught me how to, how to market. Um, how to understand uh, finance and economics in a way that I didn't before. And so that level of knowledge opened up completely different career pathways to me that I never even knew existed uh, when I was just in flight school trying to get my pilot certificate. Eric, this is actually a great opportunity for those of us that are thinking about moving on to something different that are in general aviation and that want to actually maybe move forward in a different career path. You know, a lot of times we think we can't do this later in life, but you know, at Polk State, I've noticed they're not just 18-year-olds, are there? <laughs> no, nobody quite as old as you or oh, Bill. Um, wait, no, no, there's a few. We, we do. <laughs> no, there are, there are actually a few. We would even take Bill, honestly. I would, I would be willing to give special dispensation to let Bill in. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're definitely a non-traditional college. Um, having Central Florida Aerospace Academy right next door to us definitely affords us a lot of, you know, your traditional 18-year-old students coming into the program. But we get a lot of uh, separating military, um, you know, in the 25, 35 range. But then I've got 45, 50-year-olds who are there as a second or third career option. So, I mean, it, it really is a little bit all over the place. We've got, 
um, several seasoned airline pilots there right now, captains, you know, who have, you know, made it up through the flying ranks and, um, you know, they want to do something else with their career, but they don't have the degree. So again, they bring me their ATP certificate. They're bringing me all their experience. I get to articulate that as college credit and then put them on a path doing what they want to do as their second or third career. Being involved in other things in aviation is really important. Getting out there, you know, and actually volunteering in the community and also putting other things on your resume, I think is important. What other things can somebody at Polk State do besides just simply the degree program? So I don't know if you're familiar with our flight team, Carl, but we, we have a, a wonderful uh, flight team uh, competes in uh, the National Intercollegiate Flying Association, Region 9, toughest region in the country. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this either, Carl, but, but uh, the, uh, the flight team uh, made it to nationals for the first time in college history this year. Um, no, and thanks, no small part to our coach. Um, I don't know if you know him either, Carl, but a really stand-up guy, a uh, little old, little old but um but uh, lots of wisdom comes with that age and uh which is of course you and we appreciate what you do um in advising our students pointing them in the right direction and you know giving them the the motivation they need to get to the next step um for what they're doing and i i think a lot of people look at student organizations in general but particularly the flight team is you know it'll be i'm going to hang out with some people and have fun or maybe i get some flight time or whatever and then they get into it and i talk to the students and, and hear this all the time they get into it and realize that it's so much more than that it's so much more than that it is uh, such an awesome opportunity for networking and starting to build a reputation um, because you know everybody everybody in your hiring class has the certificate everybody has the hours that you're all there because you met the minimum qualifications for the job so how do you stand out What's the thing that makes you stand out in that that community-centric attitude, the willingness to volunteer, the willingness to work, even when there's not necessarily a pay carrot in front of you to do it? Um, that's a skill. I mean, you, that's, a, that's a demonstrable skill, and it's something that helps people stand out in a pool of otherwise well-qualified people and opportunities like you know, any kind of student organization, student government, anything like that is great. But, you know, having having an organization that's this good, that's in your discipline is great. I'm exceedingly proud of our flight team and even our coach. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Eric. The uh, well, one thing that I think is really important to know is when you get involved in something like the team, the flight team uh, that I coach, is the fact that it stretches you. And no matter what you do, and you learn new skills, and a lot of those skills are soft skills that you didn't think you came to school to learn, but it's negotiating. It's talking to people about things that you never thought you would, but now you've learned, and now you have something to converse about in those situations like being in the cockpit with somebody but and a hats off to, by the way to the flight team i will say one thing i've learned is letting them do what they need to do and getting out of the way because we have some very very talented students here at the college and uh and hats off to them taking the ball and running with it i think a big part of it is because of such an incredible diversity of students within the program. You talked about ex-military, you talk about some younger folks, old, older folks, we all learn from each other. And through that, together, collectively, we were able to move forward. And I think that's absolutely terrific. And that's a testament to Polk State. Well, I think you know this, so does Bill, but aviation is a team sport, right? So, you know, for every two people in the front of the airliner, it takes us 100 people to get them there. And I think, you know, we need to, we need to know that. We need to think about that. I think often in aviation because it is it is kind of an ego business you have to have a certain amount of gravitas to take on that kind of accountability and responsibility make those decisions but we also have to step back and say i can't do this by myself you know and it does it takes a village and you know a a competitive team that's working together i mean you could do the same thing in intramural athletics you know flag football or, or whatever i mean any any kind of team dynamic like that you learn how reliant you are on your other team members and i think it's a great opportunity to learn those skills before you're sitting you know an ioe with a with a training captain next to you going what do you mean you don't know what you're doing you know you got to know how to ask the right questions and you've got to know how to um how to be able to converse with people when you're not the smartest person in the room and i think you know helping helping our students be in that situation where sometimes they're the mentor and sometimes they're the mentee. I think that's an important skill. It's not something we teach in a classroom, you know, so the flight team is an awesome place to learn that. 
It sure is. And by the way, we're going to the Nationals. We could use any type of help that you can give us. PolkStateFlightTeam.com is where you can find out more about the flight team. We're putting more videos about the students. And what's interesting and something that I'm really proud about is the fact that we actually have our first member of a flight team going to a major airline uh, coming up here this year, starts training this year. And that's absolutely terrific. Uh, we finally have that momentum and that number of years in, in business that we can say that. And that's what's keeping this going forward. And I have to say, uh, out on the line, people know what Polk State is. Where can they find more about the Polk State Aerospace Program? So we're super to find, uh, super easy to find polk.edu slash aerospace. You can learn about our degree programs. My contact information is there as well. We would love to talk to you on the phone, do a virtual meeting, have you on campus, put you in an airplane for discovery flight. We that's I, there, are, there are three things that are my favorite thing about my job. I love discovery flights. I love cutting people's shirts off for their solo. And I love ice bathing them when they get their CFI certificate. That's that's why I go to work. Um, it's it's exciting. I love I love that I love that energy and that look on somebody's face when they get out of the airplane for the first time. Um, we think that's important, uh, and so we definitely want to talk to you. We want to tell you about what we do. It's not all just flying airplanes, um, and we'd love to have that conversation with you. Speaking about airplanes, Eric, we got to get out there. Listen to that airplane noise. That's why we're here. We're at an air show. We're getting people involved, creating that passion about aviation and also fostering it, helping them make a lifetime of aviation, increasing their aviation knowledge and letting them get involved in this incredible thing called flying and aviation. I really appreciate you coming here, Eric. Again, that's polk.edu slash aerospace. Eric Crump, Polk State College, Director of Aerospace, and I'm here, Carl Valeri, at the Holiday Flying Festival and Car Show 2021. Don't forget, they're going to have a big air show tomorrow, and also they're going to have a launch, a moon, uh, a, a night glow of the uh, of the big balloons that are out here, beautiful things that are out there. And also in the mornings they have it. As long as there's no fog, that might be an issue tomorrow. Again, we'll talk to you in the next episode. This is Carl Valeri here reporting for the first day of the 2021 Holiday Flying Festival and Car Show. Also, don't forget... Listen to our friends at Sun and Fun Radio, liveatz.net slash SNF. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.